Before we get started, I just want to share a few things about what's going on. Uh, last week, Sunday morning, in between services, we had a mission meeting. So if you were not able to make that meeting, I want to tell you it's not too late. There's a number of mission trips we'd like to go on this year. So if you want more information, go back to the Go Ministry Center after service. There's people that will be there with you. You can see the dates and, and responses required. I also want to say that, that God is doing something in the Manchester area. And, and if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I told you that I was training for a marathon, right? And I asked God, God, as I'm running and training, give me spiritual insight. Give me connection. So I, I've got a connection about this slide for you. So yesterday, we're running 12 miles, me and my son. And he picked the route this time. I picked last week's route. He picked this week's route. And there were a lot of hills. I mean, a lot of hills. Some of these hills, long, longest hill I think I've ever run up in my life. It was probably a mile long. And like every time you come around the bend, you just see it keeps climbing. And I'm like, I've driven this, but it doesn't seem so hilly when you're in your car, you know? It seems way hillier when you're trying to run it. But Dan's talking to me as we're going up the hill. And he goes, Dad, as we climb this hill, we're putting it in the bank. So then when we get to the race, we can make a withdrawal. And you know, and I look at these prayer times that we've been having over the last year, right? With, with 10 days of prayer, with Tent America, with If My People, there's another prayer event coming next Sunday. Guys, we all need to go because we're putting it in the bank to make a withdrawal, right? So, so why, what's the withdrawal? Franklin Graham does crusades across the country. When he does a crusade, churches get together and they invite him to come and churches foot the bill. But God put it on his heart to do a rally in the Northeast. He's doing a number of rallies. And he hasn't asked the churches to pay anything. He's like, God, God told me to come to Manchester. So he had a meeting with all the local pastors and said, God asked me to come to do a rally. Now I want to hear from you. What is God doing and why would he have told me that? And, and we're just like picking our jaws up off the ground. Like this is an incredible move for God to put it on his heart to come and do a rally here in Manchester. It'll be on May 23rd. If you're interested in being a part of that ministry team, there's a kickoff meeting on February 25th at 6.30. So I look at that and I go, God, you're, you're doing something, something amazing. It's great. Um, so I, I love to see what God does and, and what he's about. So this morning we're starting a series called Hello, My Name Is. Now you may say, okay, there's an obvious connection. We all have name tags on, right? And we say, hello, my name is. So if you're like me, you can walk in here on a Sunday morning. You see a lot of familiar faces and a lot of people you've probably introduced yourself to before. And you're like, now what was her name or what was his name? Like we forget, don't we? And, and as the pastor, a lot of times I'll come up and say, now tell me your name again. And one time someone said, this is the fourth time you've asked me what my name is. I'm like, all right, if it gets to 12, be offended. But at least you got to give me 4 to 11 before you get offended of me. There's a lot of people I'm trying to remember their names. But for a moment, what I'd like to do is have you all stand up and go introduce yourself to someone that you don't know. Don't talk to your friends. Talk to someone you don't know. Meet someone you don't know. Or maybe you forgot their name. Be honest. Tell them you forgot their name. But everybody get up and say hi to someone you don't know.
Okay, you guys are getting a little carried away. You're getting carried away. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. I don't know you're welcome. Welcome, Kim. All right, so let's bring it back. Now, doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good to have people say your name and to people know your name? I was, I was hearing a story about one of our ushers who's new, and he was remarking to his wife that, hey, this Sunday was incredible because everybody was calling me by name. And then he realized he had a name tag on because he was an usher. But like everybody knew his name. Now, wouldn't it be great like if we would actually get to know one another's name that it wouldn't be like this is I'm famous for this, but I'm going to out me right now. When I say, hey, brother, how you doing? Or oh, so good to see you, sister. It's because I forgot your name. Right. That's really that's really the bottom line. So say, Greg, my name is just tell me your name all over again and, and, and don't don't make me sweat it. But uh so that's a natural aspect of hello, my name is, that, that we want people to know one another. We want you to be known here. We want you to feel like this is your family. We're all friends. But there's also a place for us to tell you who is Shiloh. And I, and I think God is doing some amazing things at Shiloh. And sometimes we, we don't really talk about, okay, what's the vision that God has given to Shiloh? What, what does God have for us? So, so we can all know that vision is an important thing, but it's not for me to tell you. It's for me to open up the Word of God, and let's look at it together. So let's take a look at what Proverbs 29, 18 has to say. And I'm sharing this out of the King James because when I first got saved, that's the Bible I had was a King James Bible. They didn't have all these new translations back then. You know, it, New King James wasn't even around when I got saved. But I memorize many of these verses in King James, so when I think about them, I think about them in the King James language, and you look at them in other translations, then it's just not the same. So we're going to read Proverbs 29, 18 from King James. It says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So if we don't have vision this morning for our lives, for our church, we're going to perish. I don't want to see that. I don't want to perish. I don't want anyone here to perish. But we need to have vision in God. What is it that you've called us to? So every fall, when we start small groups for the, for the next series, we get together as all the small group leaders. We, we pull them together for a barbecue, and, and we just have a lot of fun and relationship. And then we talk about the next small group series, and, and, and we have some time where we, we talk to them and at them, right? And, and in that meeting... God was stirring on me with regards to vision, and I, and I asked them a question. I said, if someone asked you, they were, they were new to Shiloh, or they're thinking about coming to Shiloh, and I said, what's Shiloh's vision? What would you say? So it's a little bit quiet, but someone raises their hand, and, and they say something, and another person raises their hand, another person. And, and you know, we heard three or four people share really good things about, well, we're an outward-focused church. We want to share the love of Jesus. We want to do this and that. And, but there was only one problem. None of them were the same. Everyone had a different thing that they would say was Shiloh's vision. And it, and it was stirring in me even before then. The reason why I asked the question was I thought that might have been the case. So we find that from God's word, vision is really important because we'll perish without it. But now for a minute, I, I want to just give you something spiritual from the wonderful movie Finding Nemo. Just take a look at this click for a minute. Hey, look out. I'm sorry. Just 
trying to get home. Nemo? Nemo? Isn't that great? So what message do you take away from that? Just keep swimming, right? That's Dory. But no, there's something powerful when all of the fish start swimming together. Amen? There's something powerful if all of us would say, I know exactly what the vision is. We, we are swimming in lockstep together. There's a power that happens when we come together as the body of Christ, whether the local church or, or all of the bodies of Christ. So I, I want to turn to a scripture in Ephesians and just see what, what, what uh, Paul says to this church. So Paul's planting a church at Ephesus, and he's praying specifically for the church. And the interesting thing is we, we hear about prayer in the Bible. It's mentioned many times, but there's not very many recorded prayers in the Bible. We see the Lord's Prayer. We see Jesus praying for his disciples. Now, Paul is praying this specifically for the church at Ephesus. 
in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. And this is what he says to the church. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So what is Paul praying over these people? He starts off by asking God, God, would you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would know you better? And then Paul recognized that the eyes of their heart, they, it was looking in the past. And he said, okay, you can't, people, you can't be focused on the past. God, would you enlighten them that they would look forward in you, that they would have a hope of what you're calling them to? Do you know that if we're never enlightened, we're really bound by what it is that holds us back? But when God opens our eyes, when God enlightens us, when God gives us a hope, we start to find freedom in, in what he's called us to, right? I love the, the song we sang, and whom Jesus sets free is free indeed, right? God wants us to find freedom. Verse 18 goes on to say, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Do we realize that we each have a calling that we each have a purpose that, that God has set over you. Not only does he know your name, he's got things for you to do that you uniquely are equipped to do. And I can't do them. Someone else can't do them. God needs each one of us. And he's given us each a purpose. And that's what Paul says, that you may know the hope to which he's called you to. I've heard it said that there's two great days in your life. The day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. Right? Isn't that the question that so many ask? God, why am I here? God, if maybe you saved me from a tragedy. I was in a car wreck or, or this. God, God, why am I here? Why did you save me? God has a reason for each of us being here. And then Paul finishes the prayer by saying this, the riches of his inheritance in his holy people. In other words, now I can put you on a team that's doing something that matters. I, I, wanna, I want my church to make a difference. I don't want my church to just be. I want my church to be about my business. So after we had our, our um, let me just say it this way. Many times throughout the year, the elders will get, will get away and we'll spend an overnight together in prayer. And we call them an elders overnighter. And my kids always joke with me when they were younger, especially, oh, are you guys going away together to have a pajama party? Or are you going to have pillow fights or something? You know, making fun of me that I'm going out of town with, with my fellow brothers that I'm serving with. But we were away last August. And, and we, we, we spent some time in prayer. And, and I was coming to that meeting with, with something I felt God was putting in my heart. It was a vision statement for Shiloh. And I was suggesting that to the elders that, you know what, for our vision statement that we had at the time, I said, I'm not connecting to it. I, I feel like God is putting something that, that we need a new vision statement. So I, I shared what I'm going to share. I shared with them what I'm going to share with you now as a new vision statement for Shiloh, something that I feel like is simple and we can connect with. And it comes from Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. So the first step is this, know God. There's many of us that would say, well, I, I know who God is. No, I'm not talking about knowing who God is. I'm talking about knowing God in an intimate and deep and personal way, knowing that he's your personal Lord and Savior, right? So Paul said to the Ephesians that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, what? That they would know him better. And, and I believe that's a, that's a grounding force for a vision statement. We want to know God. 
But then, then I go on and say, find freedom, because all of us have a past. I, I don't know what your past looks like. I know what my past is. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, but my past has defined me up until this point. I don't want it to be my definition, but, it, but what I go through that's bad I might call them scars on my back, and I'm hesitant sometimes to step out where I've got a scar lest I get another scar, right? Or, or things that have worked well, maybe I'm more comfortable in. But God doesn't want us living from our past. God wants us living for the future that he has for us, amen? So, so we all need to find freedom in Jesus. God has freedom for each one of us. And that's part of what I, what I want to see happen here. Not that we would just know God, but that knowing God would actually set us free, free from our past. Paul says, you know what? The good and the bad, I forget what's behind me and I press forward. Because sometimes even the good, we're like, I'm never going to have another success like that, so I'm not going to keep trying. No, God, God doesn't want you even to remember your successes, that you just rest on them. He wants you to continually go forward and find freedom. Next is discover purpose. Whether you come to Shiloh or you're even just a member of the body of Christ at some other church, God has a purpose for each one of us. He's got a calling for each one of us. So, so what Paul said to them is that, you're, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you to. You're called. You have a purpose. But do you know what that purpose is? You know, so many of us, have you ever heard the statement, I, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And that's one thing when you're in high school, right? To say, I don't know what I, what about when you're 50 and you're like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah, newsflash, you're kind of grown up already. You need to figure this out. But God has something for us. It was, it was wonderful when I heard Josh speak this morning because he's like 10 years ago, I felt God started to put a burden in my heart and, and a vision for what he might do with my life. And, and now he's fulfilling that vision. And that's, that's a great demonstration. But what about the rest of us? We're not overseas. We're, we're not fulfilling a call. But yet God has a call for each one of us. Maybe it's to raise your kids. Maybe it's that you would impact the workplace that you're in or your neighborhood. I don't know what that call is, but God has a call for each one of us as, as descript and as discreet as what Josh has. So God wants us to discover purpose. But now, if there were ever a Sunday to use a football analogy, today might be that Sunday, right? So I want to give you all a football analogy. Knowing God, it's a first down. Finding freedom, it's a first down. Discover purpose, man, it may be a 30-yard pass, 40-yard pass, it's still a first down. So what's the touchdown? What, what actually puts points up on the board? Because you know, you don't want to just get down the field and come away empty-handed, right? That's, we hope that doesn't happen to teams this afternoon. We hope, some of us hope, certain teams might score points over another team. But the touchdown is this. It's making a difference, and here's why. Because when I know God, it affects me. When I find freedom, it affects me. When I discover my purpose, it affects me. But when I take all those together, God doesn't want to just have me be the gold brick. He wants me to spend that gold brick on helping others and making a difference in the world. And, and I see that's what God has called us to, that, that as a church, if we could get a hold of what it looks like to swim in the same direction, that if someone would say, hey, what is, what is Shiloh all about? Oh, you know what? We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. 
We want you to discover purpose, but more than anything else, we want you to learn how to make a difference. Not just in this church, not just in your neighborhood or your schools or your place of work, but in the world that we live in, wherever that may be. I want to make a difference when I walk through the market basket line. I want to make a difference when I'm frustrated at the Verizon store, that I don't bite the guy's head off, that I'm actually showing him the love of Jesus, right? When they tell me, yeah, we can't do that. I don't want to hear no. I want to hear yes. But wherever it is, I want us all to learn, what does it look like to make a difference? Last June, we changed the Shiloh logo. You may not know the date, and I actually had to look it up. We handed these cards out at that time. These are invite cards. They're still at the Welcome Center and Go Ministry Center. Someone ever asks you, hey, what church do you go to? This is a card you can just hand them to, hand it to them. It tells, it's got our logo, and it's got when our Sunday services are. That's it, and the phone number. But I I say all this to say, okay, when we were looking for a logo, I'll be honest. I just wanted something that looked cooler than the one we had, right? It was the logo we had. We'd had it for a number of years, and I wanted something fresh. But you start to talk to these designers and to marketing people. Anyone here, creative design, interior design, something like that. So you know what I'm talking about, right? And, And the questions I get from them is, well, what do you want your logo to say? Uh, I just want it to say Shallow Community Church. Like, I don't know. Um, well, no, like all these things have hidden meanings and, and you got to look into this and, and it's got to portray and, and I'm like drawing a blank. But thank God, I'm not the one that has to make all the decisions around here. We got other good people. So we came up with this logo. It's fresh, it's new. And I call it the paint blob because I don't see into things, right? But it's that Sunday in June when we're going to, to show everyone what the new logo is. We're in morning prayer before service. And God speaks the word to Pastor, God speaks a word to Pastor Ed. And he goes, God just showed me why, why we chose this logo. Because it's like an artist's palette. So if you consider when an artist is painting, they have all the different colors on their palette. He goes, that, that paint represents one color on the palette. Because it's, it's, it's one color, right? It's just a blue. But God can take that color and dip his brush into that color and paint it, but then he's going to need other colors. And it's how we come together across the city with other churches that's going to enable us to actually see on the canvas of what God wants to do in Manchester that will actually come together. We're only one color. We can only do what God's called us to do, but we need to partner with other churches. And wow, the minute he said that, it was like something in my soul just started to leap because I'm like, "That's, that's beautiful. That's my heart. That's what I want to see happen. So shortly after I became pastor here in in May, almost two years ago, I joined a pastor's meeting of different pastors across Manchester. And in in one of those first meetings, it was right before the 10 days of prayer, the pastors were all repenting with one another and repenting because, you know what, they've looked at each other as competition that maybe someone from my church goes to to your church or someone from your church goes to a different person's church. And and I said, we got to break down the walls of who's going to what church and we have to see that God wants to take the city and we need to, we need to work in fellowship and in unity together. Now, I was the new kid on the block as a pastor, but I'd come from 30 years of business experience and I know, man, if you don't network, you're going to die. Like, it's all about relationships. You want to be successful? The degree your success, the degree to which you can build relationships is going to be the same degree to which you're successful, right? That's what I've learned in business, and now I'm, I'm in the church, and I'm hearing these pastors talking. I'm like, amen, brothers. Like, I haven't been around for, for the disunity, but I want to be a part of the, of the unity. I want to see, God, what is it that you want to do across, across this city? So shortly after that, we, we change where we have meetings. 
Shiloh was going to host a meeting, and now it's my turn to share the devotional with the other pastors. And I'm like, God, what is it that you would put on my heart to share? So I want to share with you this morning the scripture that I shared with them. And, and actually, just this past time, I shared it again because I think God is, is stirring and he's doing something in, in all of us in this way. The scripture is out of Luke 5, 1 through 7. And it says this, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught crowds from there. So what do we see happening here? Right? Jesus is talking to such a large crowd. He's at the water's edge. He's kind of getting backed up. And, and it's hard to talk to people without a little bit of distance between you and them. Otherwise, you can't see everybody. Right? So Jesus says, hey, here's a boat. It's empty. Can I step in and just push a little bit away from shore? And he preaches to everybody. But what's happening while he's, while he's talking to all the people? The fishermen, right, they had left their boats because what? They were washing their nets. Now, I am not a fisherman, full disclosure. I've fished just a handful of times in my life. But I don't think you've got to be a rocket scientist to, to understand that you probably don't wash your net before you go out fishing. You're probably washing your net when you're all done. Right? You're, you're going to wash it, you're going to clean it, you're going to put it away so you're ready for the next time you go out. It says they were, they were out, right? So they're, they're washing their nets, and Jesus sees that as he's, as he's talking. He knows what they're doing. But then when we read the rest of the verses, 4 to 7, it says this, When he finished speaking, he says to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replies, we worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. Can you just hear the frustration in his voice? Maybe he goes like this. He sighs before he says it, right? Man, you got no idea, Jesus. Like, we, we've been fishing all night long. But I love this next statement. He says, but if you say so, how many here in your moment of frustration, if God asked you to do something, you'd say, but God, if you say so, and that's, what, that's Peter's heart, and I think this is faith right here, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear, and a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Can you just see it? Can you just see what would happen, right? Jesus loved to fish, but it wasn't just for, for fish in the sea. He loved to fish for people. He said, I, leave your nets and I'll make you what? A fisher of men. Jesus loved to fish, and this is the example that he's giving us, that, that I have such a catch of fish that you can't contain it in one boat. You're going to need to call for whom? Your partners, James and John. So I shared that with the other pastors, and I said, I believe God is putting us together because we have to learn how to partner together. We have to learn how to pray together, how to be in unity together. That was over a year ago, and, and now a year later, we had the three prayer events. We're putting it in the bank so that we can make a withdrawal. And, and I see this coming, coming to, to pass, and it is just so exciting for me to look at what God is doing. So, so at that moment when we, when, we, when we talked and I shared this, I said, so, so Shiloh's just one color, but here's one piece of how we may help partner with you and, and be our color mixes with your color. And I told them about our food pantry. And, and some of them knew about it, some of them didn't know, but I made an offer to them. I said, look, if you are ever doing an outreach in the city, 
whatever we have in our pantry, it's free to you. It's free. If you need hot dogs, if you need rolls, if you need soda, if you need candy, what, whatever you need for any other, any other church in the city, we're going to give it to you for free. And, and now we've started to have some different churches. They're doing a block party in downtown Manchester, and they come to the pantry, and we're like, what can we, what can we bless you with? Last year, the pantry, I think, gave away almost $80,000 worth of food. We've got a goal. We want to give more than $100,000 worth of food away. Why has God blessed Shiloh with this pantry? I don't know. But I want to be the best color we can be and partner with as many people as we can partner with that God paints across the city what he wants to paint. So that's the cool thing about when we can have a vision together. So, so together as Shiloh, together Shiloh partnered with the other churches in the area to say, God, we want to see you do something that's going to impact not just our church, not just our neighborhood, but all the neighborhoods around the city, the state. And, and we hear the wonderful testimony, as, as Pastor Ed shared, that since the prayer meeting last October, where thousands got together in Snoo Arena, the opioid-related uh, deaths in the city have come down 20%. I don't think that's an accident. I think that's an answer to prayer. And, and I want to see more prayer go on like that. So, so next Sunday, if you want to put it in the bank, go to Manchester Vineyard at 5 o'clock. Join the other people from across the city that are going to be praying for our city. And let's start to pray for what God wants to do when he comes uh, in May with Franklin Graham. So let's, how, how do we close this message? I, I think we've learned and we've seen vision is powerful. There's something that happens when you and I, instead of you swimming in your direction, me swimming in, my other dire- in the other direction, we all start swimming together. But now I want to bring it home. I, I often found, for, through all the years that I worked in business, there was things I learned at church that I could bring to my workplace. And some things I learned in my workplace I could bring to church. But often it was the other direction. I'd learn things here in church. I'd see things in God's word. And I'd say, God, how do I apply that to my life? How do I apply it to the business world that I'm in? And I think vision is one of them. Right? So you see the importance of vision. Without a vision, the people perish. Wherever your workplace is, if you have an ability to ask the question, what's the vision? Do we all have the same vision here at work? And, and maybe if everyone does, then ask the next question, what part of the vision are you called to play? And what, what part do you fulfill? Because in organizations, it's either vision, there's not a common vision, or people don't know what their, what their role is in the vision. That's why they perish. And it's the same that happens in a church. And, and where we're moving and where we're heading in the rest of this series is to start to understand it's not just about vision, it's about how we execute the vision that matters. I, I could say this wonderful vision, but if we don't execute to that vision, it doesn't mean anything. And I think we find that in our places of work. How about your home? What's the vision you have for your home? When, when Meg and I were first married, we were called dinks. You know what a dink is? Double income, no kids. But God gave us a vision. Hey, if we can live off of one salary, we can pay off all of our school debt with the other salary and then start to build a nest egg that we might be able to get a home someday. And, and like we, we came into alignment on a vision together. And it was so much easier working a budget when you both have the same vision than if, oh, well, I want to buy this. I need this new tool. I've got to invest in my garage. And, and she needs a, you know, new equipment for the kitchen and Wow, no, we had a common vision. We want to save money right now. We want to live within a budget. What would that look like to have vision in your family or in your home? What would it look like for you to have vision in your personal life? God, this is what I feel you're calling me to. 
right? I, I want us to understand vision is powerful at every level in our life, personally, in our families, in our places of work, and in our church. And now we've got a vision statement. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. It, it amazes me that God would speak to Franklin Graham and have him come at such a time as this in May. But it amazes me even more that God would have all of you seated here this Sunday to hear this message because there's something for each one of us here. I, I, I came to faith in Jesus Christ for the first time more than 40 years ago. So I would say I knew God when I was 10 years old. But you know what? I'm still learning more about Jesus. I'm still coming to know more about him. I read the Bible through every year and every year there's things I'm reading and I'm like, wow, it's like I never saw that verse before. And God just speaks something new to me and it's like, bam. God has for all of us to know him in a more intimate and more real way. God knows each of our names. You may be here this morning and you don't know God yet. He wants for all of us to press in and to know him. All of us have a past. He wants all of us to find freedom from that past. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He wants us all to find freedom. What's your purpose? Why has God put us here? We all need an answer to that question. And, and throughout the weeks as we go through this series, we'll be digging into each one of these more. But lastly, make a difference. Remember this. All of the others are first downs. If you want a touchdown, it's learning how to get all those first downs in such a, such a succession that you can say, okay, now I feel like I'm making a difference. There's nothing that excites me more on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It doesn't matter what day. But when I feel like, God, you actually used me today to impact someone else's life, I'm, I'm over the moon with joy and with happiness because I got to share Jesus or I got to meet a need in such a way that it was beyond my capability, but God just happened to put me in the right place at the right time, and, and wow, something happens. If you've never felt that joy, there's a joy when we all learn how to make a difference. So would you stand up with me today as we, as we close service? And I want to ask us this question as we close. Where are you? As, as you look at that, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, which one impacts where you're at? You may have found God many years ago, but God's touching your heart and says, I, I want to go deeper with you this morning. Maybe you found freedom of a lot of different things, but there's something right now that's holding you back. It's a stronghold in your life. And God says, I want to set you free from that. I want you to find freedom. Perhaps you've, you've lived your life with a purpose and now a loved one has passed away or something's changed and you're like, I, I don't know my purposes anymore. God's got a purpose for each one of us. And I know for certain that God doesn't do all of these things in our lives without wanting to, to work in us and through us to impact the rest of the world. So let's pray together as we close. God, what is it that you have for each one of us this morning? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this vision. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Lord, what's the personal application today for each of us? Lord, I ask that you start speaking to people even now. God, that your work would go deep. Lord, I thank you. You know each one of us by name. You've called each of us by name. Lord, you, you see where we're at, but God, you see where we're going. And you say for us to proclaim those things that are not as though they are. And Lord, I speak that over each one today. Lord, not where they're at, but where you're taking them, God, that it would come to fulfillment in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you bring life 
Lord, you fill us with your love. Father, give us the the anchor of peace and trust in you this morning. And God, I pray a blessing on each one that's here, Lord, that we would walk from here knowing faith, knowing freedom, making a difference for your kingdom. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have a great day. Enjoy your afternoon. And if you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. God bless.